Welcome to Masterpiece Women. This is Tina Raines, and I'm the founder of Masterpiece Women, and I am so excited to have you here today. We are a community of authentic women from all over the world, growing together, personally, professionally, building businesses and ministries together. Grab a cup of coffee or your favorite tea and sit back and grow with us. Thanks for being here, ladies. Hello, beautiful ladies. I hope you're doing wonderful today. So excited to be with you. I'm so happy that you're doing this study with us. So if you're on your pod, you're on the podcast, welcome, welcome. And you might be on the vlog and you might be watching this, whatever your preference is. I'm just so thankful that you're here. And our heart at Masterpiece Women is truly to add value to you. We're doing the study through Exodus. And as we go through, I use many, many times you'll see me use my Maxwell Leadership Bible and I quote it quite a bit in here and I give it lots of um, lots of recognition because there's just so many valuable tools that I see and I find in this Bible where it shows us the lessons that God's actually highlighting related to leadership. So I'm just going to encourage you, if you don't have one, you might want to check it out. And I do quote quite a bit in, especially in this one, because this one's really powerful. I did all of Exodus 21 and 24 together because it's really talking about the book of the covenant. And I feel like it all goes together. This section is really dealing with the basic laws. And so I'm going to encourage you grab your Bibles. If you're not driving, if you're on a podcast, listening and driving, don't stop. Don't, don't grab your Bible unless you have time. Don't be I remember when I used to drive and read way back in the day when I started my staffing company, I would drive to the hospital working the shift and I'd have my book on the steering wheel. I look back and think, oh my goodness, that was so unsafe. So if you, I'm not gonna encourage you to do that. So as I pictured saying that too, I thought I could see myself doing that and that's not good. So don't do that. I don't wanna be responsible for something happening to you. So anyway, let's get to looking at this these books. These are such powerful books, 21 to 24. When you look at his laws, what did his laws primarily talk about? His laws primarily were dealing with protection of human life and property. These Their laws were all based on the character of God, weren't they? When he gives us laws, they're laws to obey and their commandments to follow and these laws were based on the character of god but also on the principles that we see in the ten commandments when god gives us law though i want us to think of it from the perspective of laws protect us as much as they are honoring to god so when we obey god we obligate ourselves to god we are showing him our love for him and the more we love him, the less difficult following his law becomes for us. So if you're struggling with not obeying his law, you're struggling with sin, we all are sinners. And until we go to heaven, we are a work in progress. So there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. I want to start there because oftentimes when we talk about laws, the first place the enemy takes us to in our minds is oh no, I'm bad. I'm not following his laws. I am sinning. Sister, don't let him do that to you. You are his masterpiece. You are worthy of his love. No matter what sin 
you might be in right now, he loves you no matter what. Nothing can separate you from his love. So I want to start there above all. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He does call you to honor him. He does call you to obey him. So what is it you need to change in your life to get out of that sin? So there may be practical things that you're dealing with that you need to walk through to get out of that sin. If you don't have a good Bible-based church, you don't have a good Bible study, find one. I encourage you being in fellowship with others, others holding you accountable and you being able to be authentic with them is very powerful. That's part of what we're doing at our luncheons in South Florida. The reason we're doing that is because we want women to grow in authentic community. We know at the luncheons, they're not going to be able to be, you know, accountability partners and dump all their stuff and all that, but it allows them to build deep relationships and practice some authentic communication where they're being raw and transparent, even to strangers and then we really encourage them to go get to know each other because being in fellowship with other like-minded women is so powerful. So I'm going to encourage you, go find your tribe if you don't have one. And sometimes we wait for them to come to us. If you don't have people like that around you, go find them yourselves. Go to women's Bible studies. Go to and just seek the Lord to help you find somebody. If you're in South Florida, come join us at Masterpiece Women. And um, if you ever need to just have a conversation, you are struggling with something, I'm always here for you. Our heart is to serve you, to be here for you, to help you grow. Reach out to me, send me an email. We'll schedule a time that we can get together on a phone call for a few minutes and just have a conversation. And I, I'm happy to help you navigate through who do I reach out to? And let me help you. That's what we're here for. We're all about helping you grow personally, professionally, and doing whatever it is that God's called you to do. So it's sometimes a process though. So let's talk about it. The book of the covenant actually starts. And if you look at Exodus 20 verses 20 to 26, that's really where it's highlighted. And in the John Maxwell Bible specifically, it talks about the law of picture in that as well, because God establishes a clear, clear example. His, his people were given instructions, very, very explicit instructions, weren't they? It wasn't just, well, maybe this. No, it was very explicit and was also given consequences. So another great example of a great leader is you have to have the law of the picture. You have to have a clear picture for your people. God laid out a clear picture. He laid out severe consequences. We need to be able to do that for our people as leaders. We want to describe clearly so that our people understand the whole picture and they understand the consequences if we don't follow the plan, if we don't follow the path that we're calling them to follow. So as humans, I find though, oftentimes we actually need a visible demonstration. So if you're a leader and you're trying to get your team to buy into something, the law of buy-in, right? You want them to buy into it. Oftentimes they want to see it visually. So if you can use visual, a lot of people learn, learn better with visual. And that's why we do these videos. So when we do these podcasts, we're doing them in a video, we're doing them in a blog form, and we're doing them as a podcast because everybody learns differently. And as a leader, we want to make sure 
that we're giving them the clear picture, a full picture, and use whatever tools you can to be able to demonstrate as much as possible what you're trying to achieve. And also help your people see in that clear picture what the benefits are and how they can be a part of it. Nobody wants to just do something for the sake of a business. Okay, we want to grow it to this because of this. Well, what part, what is the value in that? Show them, okay, when we reach this $1 million goal, that's going to allow us to expand this division, which also we get to make an impact in the community by doing this and you get a raise or you get a bonus or whatever that is for your team. Make sure that you are sharing what the outcomes will be and how it's going to positively impact them because you want to add value to your team. It can't just be about, I want you to do this so the company makes more money or whatever it is that you're trying to sell, whether you're a coach selling your coaching services, whatever you're trying to do, don't simply sell. Give them a clear picture, give them the consequences, give, give them a clear vision, give them the results and also pour into them and add value to them so that they see and understand how they can be a part of something really great. It's very, very important. And a lot of surveys now on employee retention talk about, especially millennials, they really want to know how they can make an impact in the world. So they're not just taking jobs based on money. They are very, you know, that is very important. So don't get me wrong. You want to be sure that you're taking good care of your team, but they want to know how they're going to make an impact. And I, when I read that survey, I thought, that is great. I love that. We should all want to know how do we make an impact in others' lives and how do we add value? We also want to have clear direction. We have, want to have clear laws like God's laid out here. We want to have, you know, clear um, rules, but we also want to empower them. So God said, here's all the laws. I want you to follow them. But most importantly, I want you to worship me. And when you follow these laws, that is worshiping me as well. So, and oftentimes, if you look at the laws themselves and what they're addressing, it actually adds value to your life. So our savior says, yes, follow these things. And this is how I want you to do it. But he also says, these are the things that you will get in return. And so I think it's very, very powerful when we pay attention to that. So let's talk about, there's a ton of laws. I'm just going to list them out. And I listed them out in the vlog. Go to our vlog on our website if you haven't seen it. But the first thing he talked about was servants. The second thing he talked about was capital crimes and what the punishments would be for that. It was an eye for an eye. Children and parents, kidnapping injuries, slaves, a pregnant woman injured, if you're injured by an animal, property damage, animals injured or killed, stealing of animals, crops, other people's belongings, miscellaneous law, rape, sorcery, bestiality, which is having sex, which is really gross with animals, idolatry, selfishness, reviling authority, delay of obeying. And I find that one interesting. Oftentimes we don't obey what God calls us to do in the timing that he calls us to do it. That's still disobedience. If he calls us to do something and we don't do it immediately, it's still disobedience. Defiled meat, 
justice and observing the feasts. God was very, very, very clear, wasn't he? He was very clear and addressed so many issues that are prevalent today. I know some of these you look at and go, well, that was only related to, you know, the stock and, but they, but when you look at it, it applies, you can apply them to so many things in today's current lifestyle in our modern day age, even though it was related to a calf or a, you know, livestock and stealing your livestock, you could relate to it. So I'm going to encourage you, if you haven't read these chapters, stop the, and you're not driving and you can, or you can pull over whatever that looks like for you. Stop and read the chapters. Really ask the Lord, what in these laws am I not obeying you? Are there areas that I still have held onto that you want me to let go of? Are there still areas of my life that sin prevails that I'm not paying attention to? Are you still one of the big ones I find people do and they don't even, you know, pay attention to it in the commandments? We talked about the commandments before is gossiping and lying. He's very clear about those things. So I, I catch Christians oftentimes will say, well, let's pray for so-and-so because they're going through so-and-so and I think we should pray for them. And they use that as an excuse to gossip. We have to be really careful with that. We should be honoring one another. And unless that person gives you permission to share, which you should always ask somebody, can I share this? Or would you rather I keep it in confidence? Because it's so valuable for people to be able to be vulnerable and authentic with you and feel safe and trust you. So I encourage you, if someone shares something that is really dark and even if it's not and small, don't share it unless you ask. That's so valuable. I learned that actually the hard way many, many years ago. I had a friend who oftentimes, and we ended up having a huge disagreement over it because she would say to me, well, so-and-so told me this and so-and-so told me that and so-and-so told me this. We should pray for them because they're sinning. And I, I finally said to her, I said, do you tell everybody when I'm telling you, because I, she was my accountability partner at the time. Do you tell everybody what I'm sinning and tell, ask them to pray for me and tell them my sin? Like, that's not good. And she was so offended, but later on came back and said, wow, God really convicted me because she didn't see that she was doing it from that perspective. So really ask the Lord, what area of your life do you might need to pay a little bit more attention to? What area of your life are you still struggling with sin and um, not honoring him and not being a good example for him? Because when we're living for Christ, we want to make sure that we're following his rules, that we're honoring him, and that we're replicating who he is in the world. Because we are the example. We are his hands and feet. When we grow closer to him, the reality is we find it so much easier to not sin, don't we? Isn't it so much easier? And then I find when you're not sinning as much because you're closer to God, then the enemy tries other tactics like keeping you busy. So if you're too busy, I would suggest you step back because one of his commandments was the Sabbath, if you remember. And I feel like a lot of people just ignore that commandment, but he said it for a reason. And if you look at all of his laws and all of the things he said to do and the consequences, they're actually blessings they're gifts to us because if we live in those 
truths and we live in obedience, it actually adds great value to our lives. So it doesn't mean that life's going to be easy when we do it. It doesn't mean that life, that we're going to be perfect because none of us are perfect. It means that we'll have joy. It means that we'll have peace in the midst of the difficult times because you're going to have difficult times. God never promised that it was going to be easy. He did promise he would give us peace. He would give us joy and that he would be there through all of it with us. And so I'm going to encourage you that our God, and think about it from this perspective, God is a God of grace, but he's also a God to be feared and honored. So don't condemn yourself if you are struggling. Just seek him, seek him, seek him, worship him, worship him, worship him, draw closer to him. And you will find that you will have total peace and total joy when you're sur when you are surrendered to him and when you are living a life filled with peace and joy and tranquility because you're serving him. So make sure that you're that you're really drawing close to him every day and seeking him. So let's look at. Um, I want to I want to read a little bit here because there are penalties for breaking his laws. Many of the worst times in my life I know were all consequences of my sin. So God didn't cause it. However, he allowed it. And life is really a choice. And when we surrender him to him, we really win, don't we? When we surrender to him, not only do we win, but we have freedom. True freedom in him is our greatest gift. We have we have this incredible gift by being able to follow him. So I encourage you to seek him and follow him. We are his masterpiece. He has great plans for us, ladies. And we have to focus on that. We have to focus on getting in a strong relationship with him. And with that, he'll draw us closer and closer. We'll have more peace. We'll have more joy. We'll have less desire to sin and let's just worship him the beautiful thing is as we do get closer to him and we choose not to sin and we choose to worship him it's such a gift to ourselves because there's so much freedom in it and he loves us so much i feel like when we're in sin it's so hard to feel his presence when we're not in sin and we're serving him and we're intentionally and it doesn't mean we will never sin because we're all sinners but when we're intentionally working on serving him and not sinning, there's just such peace and joy. And it's such a beautiful, beautiful thing. So in chapter three, verse 20, we see once again, um, excuse me, <clears throat> in chapter 23, verse 20, we see God once again protecting his people. He tells them what? I'm sending an angel for you. I'm going to help you. Basically saying to them, I'm going to help you. Verses 21 and 22, he says, quote unquote, if you listen, if you listen carefully to what, to what he says and do all that I say, I will, I will be an enemy to your enemies. So basically God's saying to us, if you will listen to me, if you will follow my commandments, I will be the enemy to the enemy. He says, I will oppose those who oppose you. In verse 23, my angel will go ahead of you and bring you into the land, the land of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, and the 
Hivites or Hivites, excuse me, and Jebusites. I will wipe them out. That's what he says. He will wipe them out. He will protect us. He will wipe them out so that we are able to go where he's called us to go. In verse 25, what does he say? He says, worship the Lord your God and his blessings. Worship the Lord your God and his blessings will be on your food and water. Again, the Lord once again saying, worship me, worship me, worship me. He wants us to be in worship to him. In chapter 24, we see where the people responded in verse 3. Everything the Lord has said, we will do. So they're committing. They're saying, I'm all in. I'm going to do it. Have you committed to God and said, I'm all in? Even in their rebellious state, they said, and they were still rebellious. If you go further on, you know, through Exodus and the next couple of books, you'll see they weren't, they weren't, you know, um, completely in, but they said they were. And they tried to be, but yet he still blessed them even in their weak state. Even in the rebellion, he blessed them. So in verse 12, God calls Moses back to the top of the mountain. And what does he do? When he calls him back to the top of the mountain, he gives him a tablet of stone and the law and the commandments that God had written. Moses stayed up there for 40 days and 40 nights, according to verse 18. So, in, and then you look at Exodus 24 verses one to seven, we see another great example of the law of buy-in. Buy so again, in the John Maxwell Leadership Bible, you talk about buy-in, you have to have buy-in from your team. The Israelites are now off to a new start. They had changed their lives and it's going to take a shrewd leader, a great leader to make the changes that needed to be made. So, Let's look at that. Let me grab my glasses. You know, you hit 50. You got to use those glasses when you're reading some too much at a time. So in, in um, the law of buy-in leading change, there were some lessons that we saw in the Bible here. And um, Peter Drucker helps us to learn from Moses about how to lead people into change even in the wilderness, because there's some great, great tools in the wilderness that I believe God wants us to, God wants us to see in this. And so I'm going to just read it directly from the Bible in the John Maxwell. And I did put it on your blog for you as well. So magnify the plagues to make Pharaoh release God's people. Moses called down the plagues and he didn't stop until the old system gave way. At this stage, problems are your friend. Don't solve them. They convince people that they need to let go of the old way. So when you're having tough times, that's not a time to minimize them. You want to capitalize on them because that shows them that they need to change. Change needs to happen here. So second thing, mark the ending. What a symbolic and memorable boundary event Moses had in the crossing of the Red Sea. After his people walked through the waters on dry land, there was no turning back. Third, deal with the murmuring. Don't be surprised when some lose confidence in your leadership, somewhere between where they came from and where they're going. Moses heard things like, does our leader really know what he's doing? We're, we've never done this 
this way. Have you, I know so many times when I was leading in business and in the hospital setting, you had changed the, the way they were, the nurses were doing charting or fetal monitoring or whatever it might be. And oh my goodness, change was so hard. We've done it this way for so many years and it works fine. Why are you changing it? Don't change it if it's not broken. They would get so upset. What was so bad about Egypt? Think about that. So many of them wanted to go back to Egypt and in Egypt, they were being abused. They were slaves, but yet they saw it as a better option because they just didn't want to change and they didn't want to suffer, but they were already suffering. There was almost like they knew that suffering though. That suffering was familiar to them and this one wasn't. And oftentimes when we've been abused, when we have suffered, we do that. We go back to bad circumstances because that's what we know. And it feels more normal. And even abused people tend to do that. Even in um, human trafficking victims, they tend to go back to, to being the victims of human trafficking once they're they're um, released because that's normal to them. They're so broken. And so in times of transition, look for the opportunities to show concern for how your people are feeling and really interact with the people that are struggling with the, with the change because change is hard and everyone reacts differently. So really pay attention to that and give people access to the decision makers. Think about Jethro, thanks to Jethro, Moses appointed a new cadre of leaders to narrow the gap between the people and the decision makers. As a result, the people felt more connected. Really important that people have a voice and that they're able to have access to the leaders. Then you, fifth, you wanna capitalize on the creative opportunity of the wilderness. It was in the wilderness, not in the promised land, that a big innovation took place. God handed down the Ten Commandments. Some of your biggest breakthroughs will also take place in the wilderness. Oh, I can't, I can't even emphasize this one enough. So much of what we go through is our greatest times of growth. If you look back, and I, that's why journaling is also so valuable, is because when we're going through those tough times, those are those are the times that God speaks to us the most, that we draw the closest to him. And if we will do that, you will see great growth and great opportunity in the wilderness. Resist the urge to rush ahead. It often seems that little happens in the wilderness, but great transformation takes place there. Don't jeopardize it by hurrying ahead and removing the pain of giving birth to a new vision. Let God do his work. Seventh thing, understand that wilderness leadership is special. Moses did not enter the promised land. His kind of leadership fit the transition time where things seemed confusing and fluid. The nation needed Joshua to enter Canaan because he led the military and because a settled life required new skills. Movements and organizations don't always need a new leader, but they do require a new style of leadership once the transition is complete. So when we've gone through change, we cannot keep things as is previously. We're going to have to either get a new leader or we're going to have to change and grow to meet and adapt to the change as well. So it's really important that our team and the people we're leading see that in us as well. So I love how the Bible's constantly giving us great, great, great examples of leadership. In Exodus 24, 9 to 18, Again, God's calling us to worship him 
and worship him. And you go back, you go into the New Testament to John 4, 23 to 24, God seeking people to worship him. What in truth, excuse me, in spirit and in truth, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. James 4, 8. All of these are great scriptures to remind yourself of God's calling on your life to call you into worshiping him. God created us in his image. He's calling for his people to worship him, not because we have to, but because we want to. We want to worship him. We want to magnify him. I pray, sweet sister, that today you are blessed beyond measure. God's doing new things. He's doing great things. He is going to use you like never before. May you sense his presence. May you sense his love. May you spend some time worshiping and drawing close to our father and be blessed beyond words. Love you and have a great, great, great day. <music>